Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, uh, it gets worse for Michigan. I know we've been all over this story because it's a story that I can't stand. I can't stand sheets, but it actually got worse yesterday for Michigan football, yet their defenders keep on defending. I'll explain right now as don't at me. Starts right now. You know, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, just when, well, let's go through it. You got a sign stealer who has been seen incognito on the sideline against Michigan State, Michigan's rival. You got Shemi Schembechler, a racist that they, Jim Harbaugh, hired and had to fire. You've got an offensive coordinator, Matt Weiss, who is being investigated for cyber crimes. A rumor on the street is this guy was hacking into other teams' practice plans, practice videos. And now, ladies and gentlemen, now, well, you also got Jim Harbaugh suspended three games for being a cheat and then lying about it. And now this is the worst one, and I never thought I would say this. I did not. I did never thought I would say it would get worse than racist, cyber crimes, cheating, lying, but it has. Look, I've lived a long time. I've got a daughter. I've got a stepdaughter. I've got a mother. I've got a wife. I've got an ex-wife. I've got a sister. And they were all 13-year-old girls at one point. I've never understood the pedophile. I'll never understand the pedophile. I, for the rest of my life, will absolutely say if I were in prison, I would be one of those guys beating the living hell out of the pedophile because I don't understand it. And it's not that I'd beat the hell out of him because I don't understand it. I would be going, what is wrong with you? Boom. What are you doing to little kids? Boom. I'm the guy that could not watch, could not watch Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. I couldn't my whole life because kids are getting hurt. I can't watch those movies where kids are getting abducted. I cannot do it. I cannot watch when kids get hurt. A Time to Kill. If you read the first couple chapters of A Time to Kill, John Grisham's novel, it is horrific about what happens to a little girl. I can't do it. It has always made me nuts when little kids get hurt. That's why I ran a basketball camp for 25 years, because I want to help little kids. And here we go at Michigan with all the crap going on. They've got a guy named Alex Ute, who apparently decided that he was going to try to hook up by booze for a 13-year-old girl. He was fired earlier this fall after being captured on video, attempted to meet an underage girl. He was a subject of a video claiming he was purchasing liquor ahead of what he thought was a meeting with an underage girl. Turned out it was some dudes that entrapped him like that show with Chris Hansen to catch a predator. I mean, did you ever watch those to catch a predator? Did you ever see him? You know what happens in to catch a predator? It's always this creepy guy who is trying to hook up with somebody he met on the internet 
on some porn site on the dark web. And when they meet him, he tries to run or he's like this weird, creepy dude. So let me put this into context. That's the kind of guy Jim Harbaugh decided he wanted on his staff. And if you say to me, well, you know, maybe he didn't hire him. It's his staff. Certainly at some point. Okay, then fire the guy that hired him. Go mafia style. But again, is Jim Harbaugh the worst judge of character in the history of coaching staffs? Now, I got to ask. It's a legit question. You want to go through it? We can do it again. Alex Yu trying to hook up with a 13-year-old girl. Some Marine whose only job, some Marine, not submarine, some Marine whose only job it is to decode and steal signs, but he's so stupid, he leaves a paper trail big as my head. That's how dumb this guy is. So Harbaugh, if you're going to hire a guy, get like a Navy SEAL, somebody that's clandestine. Get yourself a mob member who does things in the shadows, not some idiot who can't wait to be seen on a sideline by the head coach. Horrible judge of character. Matt Weiss, offensive coordinator. What does this guy do? He's trying to hack in to other teams' computers. If you're willing to do that as a coach, you're willing to do anything. I mean, think about it. When they attach the word cybercrime next to you, as they're going to do to this guy at some point, is that like you're on the no-fly zone? Uh, is, Is Homeland Security looking at you? I mean, that seems like sinister stuff from the movie Homeland or from the Netflix show or whatever show it was, Homeland. What are we doing here? Then, of course, ah, we're going to hire Shemmy Schembechler, Bo Schembechler's kid. Oh, wait a second. We didn't look into his past tweets where he's racist? It's the best university ever to coach at. Think about it. Because Michigan dudes are still defending this. They're still up in arms about me because I have criticized them. What do you have to do at Michigan as a Michigan fan of the football team to say enough is enough? I draw the line at pedophilia. I mean, I actually draw the line at stealing signs and you can't win on your own. It's why I'll tell you Bob Knight was the best coach ever. He didn't go all Krzyzewski and have to deal with agents and money managers and moving family. He didn't have to do all that crap. This guy apparently is so insecure, Harbaugh is, about how he can coach that he's got to do all this crap. He's got to have assistant coaches break into practice plans. He's got to hire a guy who can decode other people's signs, which is fine if you do it off TV, which is fine if you do it off film, but ain't fine, as Purdue's coaches said, they got evidence that Michigan has been at their games. I mean, think about this. At what point, Michigan fans, I'm asking a serious question. I know you love Big Blue. I know this is your thing. I know you got a national championship in your sights, and I know you've actually beaten Big Brother two times in a row. I get all that, and I get that you walk around with pride. I get that you've bought khakis. I get all of it. But at what point do you say, hold on, hold the phone, enough's enough. Enough. So, I don't think they'll ever come in that time. I honestly don't think the Michigan man will ever have the hoo-hoos to say enough is enough. That's it. I'm off the bandwagon. I'm done. I am.
So, there was a call. There was a call with athletic directors, coaches, everything else. Ward Manuel's the AD at Michigan. And Ward Manuel was not on the call. The call, Harbaugh was on for the regular business portion. The last 60 minutes was without the Michigan coach. And the coaches encouraged the head of the uh, Big Ten, Patini, who is the new boss, the new commish, to take action against Michigan. Now, I don't, I totally get this. In a call that was described as intense and emotional, collectively, the coaches want the Big Ten to act right now. I told you this was coming. I told you last week that this was coming because I got friends in coaching. And when coaches get pissed off like this, I, I, well, let me back up. I've never seen this before. I, I never have. I've seen coaches accuse other coaches. I, I've seen that. But I've never seen coaches do this right here. Collectively, the coaches want the Big Ten to act right now. What are we waiting on? We know what happened. Here's what that tells you. You know, I always tell you there's a backstory. I always tell you that. There always is a backstory. Well, these coaches have the backstory. This is what I've told you for two weeks now. They've got the goods on Michigan. They 1,010% know what is going on with Michigan. They've got evidence. This isn't a mystery to coaches. This is a mystery to you. This is a mystery to me. Here's what the Purdue football coach Ryan Walters in his first year said, they aren't allegations. There's video evidence. There's ticket purchases you can track back. We know for a fact, listen to this, we know for a fact they were at a number of our games. That was Ryan Walters, the new head football coach of Purdue, speaking publicly about another program speaking publicly about another coach, and you have to. You've got to. Look, Walters is saying this isn't a myth. We have the evidence. So here's the other thing for this Patini guy who is the new commissioner of the Big Ten. I guarantee you, however they do it, and there's basically three ways of doing it. The coach can send in the evidence through his people. The athletic director can send in the evidence. The faculty representative can send it in. The faculty rep is kind of the liaison between the commissioner's office and the coaching staff and the athletic director of a particular school. Everybody has a faculty rep. Okay, fine. Well, a lot of people can do that. Excuse me. Those three people can do that. And I guarantee you, every single school for the last 6 to 12 months has, been, has had a staff member on this. They're not guessing here. So when Joel Klatt comes out and says, we got to wait, that's great. He's never coached. He's never, never coached, never been an AD, never been in these situations. Now, Joe, I guess, is smart. I don't know him. But he's our guy here at Fox. He's our Herb Street, that kind of thing. But he come, oh, we got to wait just because coaches are mad. This isn't because just coaches are mad. This, this, this isn't that. This is because coaches have evidence. 
And if you've coached, you know. That's why it's great to be a, a former coach because I know how all this stuff goes. Now, Joel does it. He's a player. He's a broadcaster. He's trying to be Herb Street. He's trying to be neutral. Clatch says, well, you know, just because coaches are mad doesn't mean they should react. Let it play out. No, no, no. You got to let it play out, but it's already played out. The, vi- the evidence is already there in the Big Ten office in this guy Patini's hands, and he's meeting with the president and the athletic director of Michigan today. But the bigger question is, what does it take for a fan base to finally say enough? Enough. Enough. Period. Pedophilia is where we draw the line. I would hope that pedophilia is where we draw the line. Let me tell you why I said hope. I didn't say I know pedophilia is where we draw the line. I said I hope. Here's a Michigan man, a guy named Brian V on Twitter. Oh, so now people are supposed to know other people's intersexual desires. You have become a joke of a media member. Okay. First off, I'm not a media member. I'm an entertainer and the best in the world at it, at least for a morning show on YouTube. I mean, let's be honest. I should be on network TV doing this show because it's the greatest show you've ever seen. I know it is. You know it is. Let's go from there. Anyway, if I were more handsome, or maybe if I was a minority, if I was a minority, this show would be like, you know, I'd be on CBS, NBC, Fox. It'd be the morning show. But hey, look, old white guy. Nobody cares. Anyway, I digress. So that's Michigan guy. I'm not supposed to know the sexual desires of other people. Hey, man, what you're supposed to know and you're supposed to study and you're supposed to vet is the character. I can honestly say that I did not hire anybody that was a pedophile. I can also honestly say I hired one guy whose wife was a stripper, became a stripper, worked at a club and then said, hey, look, why am I doing this? I'll make some money. I'm just saying. What are you going to do? Guy was a good coach. Guy was a good guy. His wife was hot. She became a stripper. It ain't my fault. Hey, look, what are you going to do? Anyway, the message is simple. Very, very simple. Big Ten coaches not only believe Michigan violated, they have evidence, according to Ryan Walters, that Michigan did these things and they want the Big Ten to act. And I agree. Let's be honest. It would be great. Michigan gets suspended from a bowl five years from now, three years from now. And don't tell me about these poor kids at Michigan either. Don't give me that crap. What about the poor kids of other schools that maybe got beat by Michigan because Michigan cheated? Don't give me that crap about, I don't want to see these kids punished for their coach. Bullshit. I mean, that's crap. What about schools that are losing to them because these guys had all their signs? What about Ryan Day, who beat the crap out of Michigan until the sign stealer came on and it changed everything? He's on the hot seat. Last two years, team got beat. What about the players at Ohio State that got to live with a loss to Michigan, particularly the juniors that lost their junior and senior year? Don't give me that crap about these poor players. Players are professionals now. Don't give me that crap. Stop it, stupid. I got to get this thing higher because I got to get up here and speak taller and bigger and stronger. I don't know why this thing keeps falling down on me, but I don't like it.
You got a pedophile on staff, Jim. I'm going to do my Jim Harbaugh. You got a pedophile. You got a racist. You got a cyber criminal. What else you got in there? Holy cow. All right. Speaking of crazy, speaking of absolutely crazy, did you see this? So the guy has only been the coach there for, what, a year and a half talking about Josh McDaniels? Josh McDaniels has not been there very long, and now he got fired. And the reason he got fired is because they, Mark Davis, felt like this was going in the wrong direction. Duh. Let me ask you a question. What about Josh McDaniels without Tom Brady made you believe that this was ever going to go in the right direction? Like, I would say this. You know, if I were an African-American coach, I'd be kind of pissed. I would be. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, why do clowns like this get rehired? And Eric Bieniemy isn't. Other than Eric Bieniemy is kind of a weird dude, apparently. I, I don't know. But look, all I got to say is it's going in the wrong direction. So in the wrong direction means the GM got fired. The coach got fired. They're going to get paid. Unfortunately, I had high hopes, great hopes for Josh and Dave. We were going in the wrong direction. So with the trade deadline... I just felt it was time to make a change, time to make a move. I don't blame him. Hey, look, I don't blame him. I really don't. I mean, if you are running a football team, if you are running an NFL football team, you want to win. Does that make sense? You just want to win, period. That's it. You don't give a rats about anything else. Uh, don't hire a pedophile. Try not to cheat. I mean, that should be obvious, but apparently it's not. But the truth of the matter is, don't do anything that gets in the way of lo- winning. You know, there used to be a sign on every GM's wall. Every GM's wall in Indianapolis, whether it was Polian or Grigson, it stopped with this guy, Ballard. And the sign was a Jimmy Ursay quote. Nothing gets in the way of winning. Well, that has gone south in Indianapolis, and that's what Mark Davis is saying. These two guys are getting in the way of winning. He, this is the best picture I've ever seen of Josh McDaniels. He always looks like a fat, entitled frat boy that you just want to punch. At least I wanted to punch. See this OO on my shirt? That used to be like an Izod or a polo when I was in college for some guys, and their collars were always up, and I always wanted to punch them. I don't know. Apparently, I got anger management problems. I talked about punching Coach Knight yesterday, punching somebody today. What is wrong with me? I don't know. I'm a little punchy right now. I'm like Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. I'm a little punchy. Anyway, it was headed in the wrong direction. And then the other side, was commander's head coach Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera had his heart taken from him. Now, I want you to follow this. If the Washington commanders were trying to keep Ron Rivera, they would have never gotten gotten rid of Sweat, who went to the Bears, and the other guy, uh, Chase Young, who was supposed to be a great player. He's at the 49ers. They would never have done it. They would never have done that. 
you can do that when you're trying to rebuild and not impact the coach if the coach is like Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or one of those guys. But when you know you've got a struggling coach like Ron Rivera is, and you know you got a fan base that's all over this guy, and then you get rid of two of his best defensive players, you know what you're trying to do here. You're trying to say, hasta la vista, baby. So Ron Rivera had to get up yesterday and speak to an audience. He had to speak to reporters. He had to speak to Redskin Nation. Yeah, I called it Redskin. Bite me. It's an opportunity, Rivera said, to see what else we have. It's an opportunity to go out and win football games with different guys. And we feel we have the opportunity to go out and play and play well. My guys, Nick and Nick, were like, this is really stupid by Rivera. No, it's the only thing he could say. What's wrong with you, Nick and Nick? Nick at night? Nick squared? We're on a call yesterday. That's really stupid. What's he supposed to say? Hey, look, man, I hate my GM for doing this. I hate my ownership. We're screwed. No. No. He's got to say this. What else is he going to say? Hey, man, we think we got young players. I'll tell you something else. If I were at first a head coach, meaning my first year, first summer, my attitude would have been, hey, man, we ain't winning with these guys. We might as well get them the hell out of here and try to win with somebody else. And as I got into coaching, I think I lost my nerve a little bit. But anyway, that's what you got to stand up here and say this. But everybody knows they're screwed. Everybody knows that the commander or Redskins are absolutely screwed. It's a fire sale. Now, hey, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe Sam Howell becomes the next Sonny Jurgensen, Billy Kilmer, Joe Theismann. I don't know. But what I do know is when you are an embattled coach and you give up two of your best players, that ain't great. And you know what? I liked Ron Rivera. I did. But I also... When Ron Rivera went all woke on us to Jack Del Rio and he, you know, well, you know, we can't say that about players or blah, 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 blah. Here's what's going to happen with Rivera, though, and this is where it gets sexy. Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy is sitting there as the offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy, you know, again, here we are. Without Patrick Mahomes, it's kind of like Belichick without Brady. Yeah. It's kind of like McDaniels without Brady. Eh. It's kind of like Tampa Bay without Brady. Eh. You know what I'm saying? It's eh. so the enemy without Mahomes. I don't know. I mean, what, what's, what, what's he got going? What, what's he doing that we're all supposed to jump up and down, stand on our head and crap snowballs. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little guy too. Eric the has no neck. Apparently he's, he's, he's tough. Apparently, he's too tough on players, but we'll see. All right. It took all of five games, ladies and gentlemen, five games. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. A handful. Into the Golden State Warriors season for Draymond Green to say something stupid. He's calling out the team chemistry from last year. Now, if you remember this, and I want you to remember this, I want you to put your thinking cap on, as they used to say on Romper Room. All right, here's the deal. Uh, I think, yeah, I know. Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole last year in preseason training camp. And then he refused 
to have a peaceful dinner with him to kind of let bygones be bygones. Draymond Green uh, is so insecure that by punching him, he ma- it made himself feel better. It made himself walk like a man, and it made him popular among his peeps. Yo, it was idiotic. It crushed the soul of a team. It didn't end with the punch and any suspension or apology, and it showed just how weak Steve Kerr and Bob Myers are, were, because Myers is no longer there. So Green said last year we had an awful team as far as chemistry goes. Really? Wonder why. Pathetic. You look at last year and say, oh, man, this team hasn't lost a Western Conference Series under Steve Kerr, and then it happens. The big reason why is our chemistry sucked. Last year was horse bleep. Huh. I'm going to the chin on this. You know when I go to the chin, I'm in deep thought. Let me give you the eyes, too. The chin and the eyes. Holy cow, he's got no shot. Well, guess what? Draymond Green caused the chemistry problem. Draymond Green was the chemistry problem, and Draymond Green is still there acting like an idiot. Draymond Green was fun and interesting for a while, but then when he gave the cheap shot, he became less fun, and he becomes less interesting every time he opens his mouth. I tell you this all the time. The worst thing about the NBA is that you got to listen. The NBA starting, excuse me. Worst thing about the NBA starting is you got to listen to NBA players. They talk, and you got to listen, and you're like, Jesus, how stupid are these guys? How entitled are these guys? You want an example? James Harden yesterday, in his press conference with the Clippers, said that he was curtailed. Yeah, he was curtailed by the 76ers system. I am a system, James Harden says. What ain't a great system? The system flopped in Houston, Oklahoma City, Brooklyn, and now it flopped in Philadelphia with an opportunity to flop again in L.A. If you look at it, from Oklahoma City to Houston, he basically is going around the entire globe. He's going around the country. I wish he'd have stopped in Denver for a year on his way west, and then he could have screwed the whole thing up. So you talk about these two guys, Poole and Green, with chemistry that obviously wasn't going to work. But the truth of the matter is, it never ends in the NBA. It's like this. So the other day, I'm watching the NFL. And you know what it is. You, You guys know what it is. The NFL, you know what happens. After, after a game in the NFL, You got to go around and you got to look at, okay, uh, yep, the idiot wide receiver. The idiot wide receiver is always going to make waves. There's always going to be an idiot wide receiver. That's just the way it is. Yesterday, it was a guy named Pickett. It wasn't Kenny Pickett. Was it Puckett? I don't know. But it was a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers who was so inept that he could not get his foot down at a time when he should have got his foot down for a touchdown. Well, the Steelers score a touchdown, and this guy, he is with the Steelers. He's a wide receiver. He's mad. He's mad on the sideline. 
because, well, I didn't get touches. His team just scores, and this guy is mad. And we're like, all right, okay, okay. Well, if you say so, then there you go. I mean, what are we doing here? Serious business. What, 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 What are we doing? Like the idiot wide receiver, Draymond Green, moronic NBA players, it's just the way it is. And the Steelers yesterday got a win. Yay, Rock, go fight win. I thought, I was shocked Will Levis doesn't have a cannon. I thought Will Levis had a cannon. I thought Will Levis can sling the caca. Will Levis throws balls that are, oh, I don't know. I mean, the, he throws balls that are floating. He, flo- he throws balls that are like, I don't know. When he threw it, I'm like, wait a second here. George Pickens was the guy's name, my bad. So George Pickens is bitching, whining, and moaning because another dude scores a touchdown. Look, you got to do it. The idiot wide receiver has to be celebrated. Has to be celebrated as an idiot. Draymond Green has to be celebrated as an idiot. George Pickens. Ain't five people in this world ever heard about George Pickens. But you know what? George Pickens got a lot to say. Man. I'm not mad at the Steelers. Here's what we did last night betting. I bet a lot. I got my guy. My guy's a genius. We went 15-1 and over the weekend. So my guy sends me every night. Now, this guy is so good at it that his account currently, he sent me a picture, has over $500,000 in it. Uh, started with 15, 10, and then a $5 or $5,000 match. So my man last night, we won a couple, we lost a couple, but he sends me, we're taking the Steelers money line and the Steelers minus three. There's an 84% rule. The 84% rule in gambling is that 84% of the time, the team that wins covers. So we felt like the Steelers were going to cover the three, so you also bet at the money line. It's genius. I bet a lot on it. It covered my losses from a couple games early, and we ended up making money. Not a lot of money, 100 bucks or so, 140 I think is what it was. But we could have lost a lot more. So I was rooting like hell for the Steelers. But when I saw Kenny Puckett whining and bitching and moaning or whatever the hell Puckett's name is, I thought to myself, yeah, I don't even want you to win. And then I came to my senses and thought, what do I care if this guy complains? What do I care? And by the way, Will Levis does have the goods. He does. I don't know if he can throw it hard enough, like the pass from the right hash to the left sideline. I had a little bit of that on it. But if I, and I'm not, were a Titans fan, I'm a Colts fan, I'd, pre- I'd feel pretty good about him. I'd feel pretty good about Will Levis. I would. I know people are going to rip me because they're going, oh, he's got a strong arm, man. You don't understand, man. I understand. But what I saw last night, it's like the guy that gets caught in bed by his wife with another woman. And he says, I'm not doing nothing. And she's like, you're in bed with another woman. He goes, are you going to believe me or are you going to believe what your eyes tell you? That's the same thing when you clowns tell me that Will Levis has got a gun. Will Levis ain't got no gun. At least he didn't last night. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he does. But I saw a lot of floaters. I saw a lot of this. And you don't want to see any humps on balls except for the deep ball. I'm talking about outs, a little bit of hump. I want it fired. I do. But he's pretty clutch, even though he threw an interception late. All right. What would be a football Friday without 
talking about Travis Kelsey. It wouldn't be a football Friday. Travis Kelsey and his love life are all the rage. I love Travis. Legend Nick Lowry said, I love Travis. What the hell are you talking about? And it's been fun witnessing the Taylor factor. As long as it's not a distraction. Boy, is he right about this. As long as it's not a distraction. Woo! Hey, that man tells no lies. However, however, when I saw Travis watching the World Series in Texas on a Friday night before a road game, it's always about staying hungry and staying humble. Boy, is he right about this. Man, oh man, is he right about this. Look, if you're going to be an NFL player and you're going to be an NFL great, then be an NFL great. Don't be a guy about town. Don't be a guy that's going from here to there trying to be a guy that is something other than a great football player. It's always about staying hungry and humble. We don't know what time he got home on Friday night, but it's a distraction. He's right. Now, Kelsey will react to it at some point because that's what we do. But it's a distraction. Listen to this. And it's not a good message to the rest of the team. Let this be a lesson. He's right. How is he not right? I want you to explain. We got 550 people watching on the YouTube chat. I'm going to the YouTube chat. Are you going to really argue with me about this? If you were on a team and you're busting it, you're trying to win, and you're going to rely on Travis Kelsey, and you're going to rely on him to be a great player. He, remember, this isn't Schmo. This isn't Joe Schmo from the South Side playing backup left guard. I understand he's, quote, living his best life, but his best life is as a Super Bowl champ. Don't give me that crap that that's his best life. Look, we've all been to games, and yes, they're fun, and going to a game is great, but it is nothing, nothing, nothing like when you close a big sale or you have a great day teaching or your team wins a big game. There's nothing like that. Yeah, when you are competitive, Watching other people compete is fun, but for me personally, I would rather have to make a five-foot putt for $100 than watch the Eagles play the Chiefs on TV. Now, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I'll ask you, is that you or is that just me? So Kelsey's there watching others. That's wonderful. That's great. Tremendous. But is that really living your best life? I mean, is it really hanging with slapdick Johnny over here to his left? Big Ed over there, two doors down. Maybe he's, you know, a buddy. Maybe he's these two guys are guys that they just met. I don't know. But it ain't nothing like scoring two touchdowns on a Thursday night, a Sunday night, a Monday night in your job. That's your best life. That's how I used to tell players. It's great to go out and be man about town. It's great to go out and be the guy. You go to Jake's in Bloomington. Oh, man, you're breakdancing. But it ain't nothing like dropping 20 on somebody in a game. It's nothing like making the game-winning pass in a basketball game at Assembly Hall. So stop all this stuff. Well, 
you know, he's just living his best life. And Dockett, you just wouldn't understand. No, I do 1,000% understand. You know, you saw the picture there of Kelsey. Compare that, compare that with his reaction when he scores a touchdown or when they win a game or when he's being interviewed after a win. Stop it, stupid. Stop it. Stop it. Hey, uh, before we go to break and come back with your emails, which are awesome, a little Bob Knight for you. I forgot about this. One of the things that we did when we were in Indiana is we were very secretive. Like, we didn't want everybody to know who we were recruiting. Here's why. There's a kid that played at Indiana. The kid that played was named Kirk Haston. Kirk Haston ended up playing in the NBA. Kirk Haston hit a famous top-of-the-key jump shot. Kirk against Michigan State when they were, like, number one in the country. It was a rush-the-court moment at Assembly Hall. Here's how we found Kirk Haston. This is why you want to be secretive. We're at Purdue. It's a night game. We're in the hotel. I'm get, I would get all the papers, the Purdue Exponent, the Indy Star, the Lafayette Courier and Journal, or Journal and Courier, whatever it's called, and I'd read them game day, trying to find something, some little nugget that can help us in the game. Well, they're talking about the recruits that are coming to the Purdue game. I knew a couple of them, but I didn't know this 6'10 kid, Kirk Haston. So... We made a phone call. We found the coach, made a call. Next thing you know, Haston, who visited, we got beat, I assume, because we started getting beat a lot at Purdue. Anyway, he visits, uh, visits us. Next thing you know, he comes to IU. Next thing you know, he becomes a pro. Hey, why did we find Kirk Haston? We didn't know him. He was in Tennessee, for crying out loud. You know how we found Kirk Haston? From an article in the newspaper. So... We didn't want that. We were secretive. We didn't want people to know who we were recruiting. We started having a mole. It was a guy that we all knew. We used to go on recruiting trips with us, and we wanted to find him. So Knight comes to me, and he says, Dan, I got an idea. Let's make a fake recruit. And when this guy comes into our office, just leave it. We, we were talking about this. So I'm on the plane coming back from Minnesota. And I'm, we won the game, and I'm sitting there, and I come up with this Yugoslavian player named Ivan Ranko. Ivan Ranko, I just changed the name of a kid who was a great little league pitcher in Maryville, Indiana, named Ranko Ivetic. Ranko Ivetic, I knew when I'd go to my cousin's house. And let, next thing you know, I made Ivan Ranko. So I put together a questionnaire. I faked some letters. I showed it to coach. I go, here's our file on Ivan Ranko. Ivan Ranko became a national sensation. Ivan Ranko, in fact, on my wall out here, I've got an Ivan Ranko poster. Coach Knight, stupidly, really, went on his TV show and talked about this new recruit named Ivan Ranko. Well, coaches went nuts. Katie called the NCAA. They can't be talking about recruits, and they were right. But Knight had called the NCAA ahead of time and said, this is what we're going to do because we're tired of recruiting services. We're tired of individuals leaking recruiting information. 
it became a big deal. It's one of the funniest things ever. Watching reporters, some guys actually said that they had seen Ivan Ranko play. Uh, probably it was Jeff Goodman, I don't know, or Greg Doyle or some of these idiots. Some guy, and I clip, I don't know where the newspaper clippings are, but I clipped them all out like this is so funny. Yeah, I saw Ranko play. He's really good. Totally made up by me. I put it on my desk. The guy, I, I, I did a little thing where I put the file on my desk and I put a little thing under it so I knew when I, and the guy was in my office sitting across from me. I put it like at the end and I knew I walked out. I said, hey, I got to go. I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Took about five minutes. And when I came in, sure enough, it had been moved and the guy was telling everybody and we caught our mole. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I liked about working with Coach Knight. That stuff and winning. I do like winning. No, I love winning. All right, when we come back, Cashman, John Buzzard, bunch of people, bunch of folks sent us emails. We'll read some emails. We got a monster for you today. We got screen caps. We got Hall of Famer Walt Jones, former lineman of the Seattle Seahawks, now a broadcaster. We got the lovely, the uber, uber, uber talented Haley coming up next. Stay right here. Where you going? Where you, what, what? Stop, stop, stay. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, we got a monster crowd right now on the YouTube chat. Stay right here. The house bet is coming. The house bet is 7-1. and one. Do we have Haley? Did Haley make a video that we're showing right now that I'm really looking forward to? Help me out here, Nick and Nick. Let's show a little Haley. Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Oh, not yet, not yet, not yet. Let's go. Let's go to the emails. Ladies and gentlemen, John Buzzard. John Buzzard said, thank you for calling out the complicated comments on Bob Knight. It's so spot on. Something is only complicated when it's not understood. And to some, accountability can be complicated as they don't understand that type of culture. So maybe they are the ones that are complicated. Rest in peace, Coach Knight. You're exactly right, John. When I was reading it yesterday, when all the Bob Knight writers started turning into psychiatrists and saying how complicated it was, I just started laughing. That means they didn't want to criticize him on the day he died, although the idiot from the Indy Star did. And, of course, the idiot from the Indy Star then is now trying to make amends. He went and walked with the African-American reverend last night because that's what the idiot from the Indy Star does. He so cares about what you all think about him, and he knows when he overstepped it, and he always tries to make amends. The idiot from the Indy Star Back. But anyway, long story short, you're exactly right. Bob Knight wasn't complicated. Bob Knight wasn't complicated at all. Bob Knight wanted to fish, hunt, read, do nothing. He didn't drink. He didn't go out. Loved movies. Loved supper. 
Love game, uh, not gambling, never gambled. I wouldn't even gamble on a golf course. I remember he lost 35 bucks. You'd have thought they were prying open the, I don't know, the Geraldo vault from 86. Anyway, and he wanted to coach basketball. He wanted to study basketball. He wanted to make players better. And how's it? And he disliked the media. That's not complicated. Media are idiots. So thank you, my friend John Buzzard, for recognizing that. Any writer you see talking about how complicated Bob Knight is, I got two words for you. That's right. That's Joe Biden style. Three words for you. I'm just spitting all over the place here because I'm fired up. It's Friday and we're going to win some money. The cash man, I've always thought Coach Knight's family wanted him to return to Assembly Hall more than he did. Do you believe his family took advantage of his cognitive decline to get him to return. Would Coach Knight have returned if he had 100% of his mental function? Good question. Yes. The answer is yes. I always said this, and this was first brought to me by my brother, who was very involved in the basketball program and involved with Coach Knight and me and us. He was the liaison between players and agents. My brother was. Look, I said this, my brother said this, nobody agreed with me, but it doesn't matter. I knew the man better than anybody. I always said when he ceased to be, quote, Bob Knight, then he would come back to Indiana. In his last years of coaching, the one thing Bob Knight loved being was Bob Knight. He read his own clippings. This isn't a knock on him. This is a fact. This is if you're going to have a chat about who Bob Knight really was, this was who he was. And once he got done broadcasting, Cashy, and once he got done coaching, then broadcasting, he knew it was slip, and he knew he was just going to fade away. How do you stay relevant? You show up at Assembly Hall. That's a big deal. And I always said, once he stopped being Bob Knight, he would be back at Assembly Hall. It's everybody. Look, the only people that really stand the test of time are, I guess, guys like De Niro, you know, actors that are there and maybe they get a role later or they get in some kind of scandal and you have a baby when you're 83 and you got to pay 30 grand a month in child support. I mean, those are the only people that really stand the test of time. You know, I always said, I always watch these athletes. I always watch guys and I'm like, yeah, they're really important now. Give them five years, and they're going to be not so important, and they're going to want to be important. So all of a sudden, the important guy becomes a nicer guy, becomes a more congenial guy. And that's what happened with Knight. I don't think his cognitive decline, uh, and I don't think in this instance his family used him. Make no mistake about it, Bob Knight's son Timmy used the hell out of him. Bob Knight's son Timmy stole all of the gear when I was playing, that was supposed to go to players from Adidas. You know, T-shirts, dress shirts. He stole it all, and he put it in his house, in his garage that he made into a warehouse, and he bragged about it. Actually showed it to me when I was just out of college. I was a grad assistant. I was at his house for something, and he showed it to me. And I'm sitting there like, oh, okay, why would you do that? I remember they all got pissed at me. Knight got pissed. The old lady got pissed. The kid got, I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, that's supposed to go to the players. 
It's the only thing I really saw Bob Knight not do relative to players. When they stole that stuff, I'm like, they didn't steal it. I guess they were given, but it was earmarked for the... He took it and was selling it. The family loved Bob Knight, Inc. There's no question, particularly Timmy, who, by the way, he and Knight didn't speak, I think, for the last five years. It's just a weird deal. It's just a weird, weird, weird deal. But anyway, long story short, Bob Knight, rest in peace. But now I knew he was coming. I knew he was coming as soon as he stopped being Bob Knight. Bob Heatherly just saw the post on X. Appreciate the contact info. I'm a Plainfield High graduate, 83. Remember watching your Andrean semifinal game on Channel 4. Huge IU fan, the Paul class of 87. Cam was a senior when I was a freshman at the Fidel House, and I met his brother Dom a few times. I appreciate you in the morning. Man, this world is insane, and when I listen in, I am reassured that I'm not going crazy. Just more and more corrupt, dumb, ignorant, or lying people seem to be all around us. You get great guests on your show. Keep it up. Nice to see a fellow Hoosier getting national recognition. I bet working for Clay Travis and the Outkick team gives you a lot of freedom. Also, fun to see you on Fox. Keep up the good work. Head on up to the Monon Bell game next weekend if you have time. Big game. I know a tailgate or two that would love to have you. Look, I love going to Wabash DePaul. I was just with a doctor uh, named Frank Kolasik yesterday who is a huge Wabash guy, and i thinking about going, but the problem is DePaul is one of those liberal, sorry-ass universities that restricts your tailgating, makes you clean it up, beer and wine only at a tailgate for the Wabash-DePaul game. My ass! But thank you. In fact, we did a hit last night with our new favorite, Laura Ingram, who we are trying to get on the show. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Ron Sporegic says, not sure if you're right or wrong, and neither do you. But what I do know is you are an effing imbecile. I don't disagree. I disagree with the right or wrong part. I'm always right. Uh, I know I'm right. When I say something, I've thought about it. This is what I've always said about this show. When I tell you something, I've studied it. You have it. I'm bringing it up. You've got lives. You've got jobs. You've got kids. My kids are gone. I do nothing but maybe golf, do some business things to get our bikes program going, and study my next day's show. That's what I do. So I know I'm right when I tell you stuff, Ron. And you know, uh, Robbie, you know I'm right. My guess is, and can somebody on our crack staff look this up? Can you go to Rob Sporsick on Twitter and make sure, well, just do this. I guarantee you he is either a Michigan State fan, a Michigan fan, a West Virginia fan, or maybe some degrenled old IU guy. But it's mostly women at IU that don't like me because, well, I wouldn't date him back in the day. Boom! Hey, Dan, Eric Olinger. I'm a 61-year-old Hoosier. I love watching hoops IUBB in the 70s. I was an average player, hurt my back as a sophomore, couldn't make it back in the starting spot. But as a junior high kid and freshman, I was lucky enough to go to Bob Knight's camp. My uncle lived next to Coach Donawald, and my parents met him at a party my uncle was hosting. I learned about the camp. As just a regular kid growing up in Indiana, Coach Knight 
had a big impact on me. I love the guy. He doesn't need me to defend him, but people should be aware of the positive influence he had on the state and individuals. Thank you for that. Yeah, you know, we so often get caught up in the negative. And I get it. I think we all get it, right? I mean, we all understand the negative sells. We all understand that when a coach yelled at you, you hold on to that. You don't necessarily think about the 10 positive things that he said. I think we do that on Twitter. I do. I think on Twitter, we sometimes look for the negative and we forget the positive. I was having a conversation with Doug Gottlieb yesterday on his podcast, and he said that absolute same thing. You go through things and you see negative, and the negative sticks. I told players one time this. I said, hey, you know, you think I'm always negative to you, huh? I go, I'm going to have a manager. I'm going to have a manager, and he's not going to tell the day. He's not going to tell me the day. I'm going to have a manager keep track of my negative comments relative to my positive comments, and I'm going to get back to you. I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it tomorrow, and I'm not going to tell the manager what day to do it. So he did it. It came back like 100 to 100 five. To five. You know what I mean? It was one of those deals where you're like, all right. Hang on here. Hang on here. This isn't the way. No, this is crap. This is crap. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we do. We hang on to the negative. And, of course, the negative sells. I mean, why do you think our guy, the village idiot with the Indy Star, put out a negative? He was a test balloon. Wanted to see if people were going to respond. They did. They told him he was an idiot. So he got the clicks, and then he went with positive stuff because that's how folks with ill intentions, with bad karma, with bad character, act. Like Bob Knight or not like Bob Knight, that's up to you. There's nothing anybody can do about your feelings about Bob Knight. All I can do is tell you my feelings about Bob Knight. All I can do is tell you I vehemently disliked him the last six, seven years of our relationship. When I left Indiana, he and his son, we called him Fat Tim or Tim Fat, depending on the day, they went on a statewide tour and badmouthed me to some coaches. Now, I was very popular with high school coaches in the state of Indiana. A lot of them called me. So I called them, and I've never screamed at an adult in my life more than I screamed at Timmy Knight. And I never yelled at Bob Knight like I did that day. They apologized. All the crap felt bad. But hey, once that started, I knew the real feelings, so I didn't like him. And then when he did stuff at ESPN, I didn't like him. But you know what? That does not distract from my enjoyment of playing there. My respect for him as a coach, the best coach in the history of college basketball, in my view. He never went Krzyzewski. Never, ever did he get involved with agents. Never did he get involved with money managers. He felt that was beneath him, and he felt like he could coach kids that wanted to be coached and work and beat those guys, and we did. I'll never forget, I think it was like 95, NIT final, Indiana against Duke. We beat Evansville the game before in the garden on a last-second shot by Andre Patterson. All right. Knight was insane, fired us all. It was a miserable, miserable night and next morning. He was going over every Duke player. Why didn't we recruit him? Why didn't we do this? We get to the game. 
Knight and Krzyzewski shake hands. The garden is buzzing. I mean buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. Andre Patterson, a McDonald's All-American for us, drops 35 on Duke. We win the game going away. We get in the locker room. Everybody's happy. Knight's happy. We get in the coach's locker room off a little room in Madison Square Garden, and Knight's like all of our buddies. I just waved him off and walked away. I did. I did. I just waved him off, and I walked away. Like, yeah, I don't want to hear it. Which, of course, made him nuts the next day. But it was a great night. Purdue lost at home to Bowling Green. We had beaten Duke, so I didn't have to hear any more about Duke's players. He saw that Duke's players, because Duke wasn't very good that year, weren't nearly as good as he thought. We won the NIT, and I didn't have to hear any of his crap. Two days later, hey, man, don't ever do that again, he said to me. I said, Coach, you were ridiculous uh, the night before, and I'm just glad we won. And I went about my business. What happened? Oh, we went out to lunch. I think he gave me a bonus. You know what I'm saying. I read yesterday... Uh, a guy named Don Hine, who was with Channel 13, said that Knight didn't care about what anybody thought of him. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Nothing could be farther. I read where our friend Tim Brando said that he stood up tonight and Knight felt bad. Knight, didn't, Knight never tested these guys. I loved him, but Knight didn't test these guys. Knight acted like a jackass. Plain and simple. It ain't that complicated. Then he would feel bad, and he would tap a guy on the head or say hello the next day to try to make amends. Knight didn't care enough to test a reporter. Knight didn't care enough to test Dick Vitale or any of these guys. It's really funny listening to it. Ah, what what are you going to do? We come back. Nine-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro Walter Jones uh, is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. Don't forget, out. Kickdockage at gmail.com. Let me say it again to you. You want to email the show? Outkickdockage. If you hate me, 929-687-3941. If you love me, 929-687-3941. Damn it. All right, let's talk some NFL. Hey, don't go anywhere. I got a house pick. It's going to make us go eight and one. In fact, I just moved to a new house. I got three houses because I'm seven and one in the house pick. Be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, we only talk to legends on this show. I mean, let's be honest, nine-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro four times, Walter Jones of the Seattle Seahawks, nice enough to join us. We were just talking as a left tackle. 
you actually got to touch the ball. It always fascinates me, the selflessness <laughs> of offensive linemen. Like, they never get to touch the ball, but they play a long career in the NFL. It's amazing. <laughs> I think so. I think uh, I think once you uh, realize that you're, you're, you're on the offensive line, you understand your role. I think a lot of times we – we think is that's what we're supposed to do, but we understand it. Once you become a profession in it, you understand like if I'm touching the ball, something is wrong. So, or, or we're trying to do something fancy. So, the the more I don't touch the ball, the better off I am. It's the exact opposite of wide receivers, man. It's the exact <laughs> opposite, right? I mean, it's just that way. That's the way it is. Uh, they told it. They, they they always think they're wide open all the time. So uh, we used to have a joke. I remember like uh, the quarterback would come to us like if it's a bad play or he's getting hit, he'll come back to the holder and say, hey, guys, if y'all block him up, guys are running wide open. I'd be like, and then we used to be, you know, uh, our center, Robbie Toback, used to say, hey, if they wide open, why are you not throwing the ball? <laughs> <laughs> I see it, man. I just talk about every single NFL Sunday – I can't wait to see which wide receiver is unhappy. It's just the funniest shit ever uh, to me. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you, you uh, in Seattle, you got, you know, the whole thing was it's going to be Russell Wilson, and then, okay, that falls apart. But here comes Geno Smith, and next thing you know, the Seahawks are right there, man. I mean, what makes Pete Carroll and what makes Geno Smith the combination of the two work? Uh, I think the thing that makes uh, it works is that Gino been there for a couple of years. He understands the system, uh, understand Pete too. Though. I think the cool thing about that, he understands, he know how Pete want to play, play the game. You know, the last couple of games, he's been putting the ball in the other team's hands. And I don't think Pete liked that part of it, but I think Pete loves the the nail biting games. I think cause he understands that's, t- that's the typical game that you're going to have in the playoff. You're not going to blow out team. You know, you might have one game where, you're blowing out a team in a playoff, but most of the time those games are going to be nail biters, going to be a fight to the end. So I think what Pete does is prepare these guys for those moments. What makes Carroll a great coach? Uh, I think he, um, I think he, uh, he changes with the culture. I think the the cool thing about, it, you know, me, me, me coming to the league, it was all about being quiet, being in your own space. And then you get a guy like Pete that understands uh, a lot of these young kids, you know, uh, the thing about, you know, you go there to the practices now and the they got music playing as loud. And I think a majority of all the, the the teams in the in the league are doing it now. But, I, you know, you think about it now, you think about on Sunday when you're getting ready for the game, you have so much going on. You know, you got you got to be worrying about tickets. You got to be worried about your family. You got people on the sideline. So why don't you kind of try to interact that into practice? So I think Pete does a great job of that and then you know there's a lot of young guys too though so you got to understand that this weekend we had like uh bill not a science guy did the uh 12th man flag raise and for me being an older guy i'm thinking like man there's no way that's going to get guys and then you saw on on twitter that most of the guys was excited about seeing him because i got to understand a lot of these kids are the same age as my kids and grew up with bill not a science guy so for me i think Pete does a great job of uh, keeping himself young and understanding what these kids are into and what they like to do. All right. You know, I coached for a long time college basketball and basically knew every guy. And there are some guys that externally are the happiest jovial guy, but in (laughs) practice or after games, they're killers. You know, I'm MF and everybody is Pete Carroll, that kind of guy, or is he the guy that you see on a sideline? 
I think he's the guy you see on the sideline. You know, you go out to practice. Uh, anybody that says they came to practice, they understand how Pete treats you. You know, I think Pete does a great job uh, with, especially with the, the former players, guys that play for the Seahawks. The organization does a great job of uh, welcoming us in the building. Uh, so what you see on the sideline is Pete. You know, you go to meetings, uh, you go to practice. He's the same energetic uh, coach that, you know, he's, He's having fun with the guys, but the guys understand what Pete wants to get done and what he wants you to do on the field. But from a standpoint of what you see on camera, I think that's what you see every day in the building and on the football field. All right, because, I mean, every time, every time I see a happy-go-lucky coach, I'm like, wait a second here. You know, is he MFing everybody behind? You know, I just – all right, NFL officiating is a big deal, and people are talking about it. Players are starting to talk about all that kind of stuff. You played 700,000 years in the NFL. You played every game, 180 games. You never missed a game. But I'm going to give you people out there a stat about Walt Jones. 13-year career. He was only called for holding nine times. I'm watching last night. I can't watch a damn football game without watching the play and then looking for that little yellow thing in the corner, flag. How did you manage to play so many games and get so many penalties? And what do you think about officiating today? You know, I think as a as an offensive lineman, I think you have to just learn how to play this game and what 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 the refs will let you get away with. You know, I'm not saying I didn't go out there and didn't hold because I think you have to play this game. You have to find ways to 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 to, to defeat these guys. But I think uh, for me personally, it, it just it's tough. You know, the, the refs got a hard job. But most of the time, you know, when you go back and look at what they do, you know, they have bad calls there. But, you know, a lot of those calls they're making on the fly, you know, and most of the time they're, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but just by watching on TV, when they replay it, most of the time they got it right, you know, you know, pass interference, all that other stuff, that's tough, you know. So you have to take your hat on those guys and what they have to do. In a, in a short window, you know, they got to make the call. They got to make sure they get their feet down. So for me, I understand is, you know, it's, you're always going to have human error. So I take it as that, you know, you're going to see stuff and sometimes you're going to get away with stuff. Yeah, but you know what? I, I, here's what I say as a coach. I go, man, why would that guy hook that guy? Why would that guy last night, Patrick <laughs> Patterson, who's been in the league for 100 years, is holding a guy. You, I, I, All right, I'll give you your humble and I'll give you all that. <laughs> but your technique, your fundamentals, you must have worked like crazy on your fundamentals and your technique. This, it doesn't just happen that you get called so few times. You had to really put time in, and you had to, I think, as a kid, and I don't know, but it seems like you must have been really well coached during the course of your <laughs> career on the fundamentals of playing left tackle. Uh, I think for me personally, I tell people all the time, when I came up in this area, I came up in an area with some great left tackles. So I think for uh, the, the, it was easy for the coaches because the coaches would say, watch these guys. These guys do it the right way. So you watch those guys and you, you see what they're doing every Sunday, what they're not uh, letting not happen. So for me as a player back then, it was more of a, a competition. So you're thinking like, okay, he didn't give up some. I'm watching Orlando Pace, so I'm watching Jonathan Ogden. These guys are not giving up nothing in, in, in these games. So you're thinking to yourself, that's what I have to do. If I want to be great, that's what I have to do. You have to go through a clean sheet. You know, I, for me personally, I, I always 
when you got on the on the bus after the game, they give out the stat sheet for alignment. Only stat you can look at is wins and losses, what your quarterback threw for it, if you give up any sacks, what you ran for. So for me personally, and then now you see the defensive guys, they're looking at what they did. Oh, I gave up two, I got two sacks, or I gave up two, you know, the defensive line get every stat in the book. If they touch the quarterback, they get a stat. If they run past the quarterback, they get a stat. So it's just one of those things where when a guy got on the bus, I wanted him to look on the sheet and see nothing but zeros. Like, okay, I don't want you when you look yeah. on it, I want you to feel I want you to feel like you didn't you didn't you didn't help this 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 team win at all. So for me that made it fun for me when I went into the game and try to prevent those guys from getting on the stat sheet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's like <laughs> offensive linemen are like the weirdest group ever. You play football, but don't touch the football. You want no statistics <laughs> whatsoever. Like, you know. Hey, John Madden called you the best football player in the NFL. Mike Holgrim said you, and these are the two most respected guys, says you are all, one of the all-time greats at left tackle. When are you getting in the Hall of Fame? I'm already in there. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry. Oh, damn. I'm sorry. I I, I did not know this. I, I, I'm embarrassed. Hey, you should have been in the damn Hall of Fame. <laughs> Screw this. All right. Let me get past that. Edit that out. Damn all right. It. Hey, let's go this route. You're a Florida State guy. You're a Florida State guy, and all, you know what, Bobby Bowden, Jimbo Fisher, okay, all right. But now you got it going. Now you really got it going. I love your quarterback. Um, How difficult now with the change in college football, or easy, how how difficult is winning at Florida State now uh, than it was relative to when Bowden and them coming up, or, or is there no difference? I don't think there's no different. I think the thing about it, though, you're replacing a legend, and that just comes with pressure from the get-go, you know. And I think the first time, the first coach, uh, it was just a tough situation. You want to – the pressure is to win now. To You don't want no no slack, you know. You're thinking like, oh, it's the same player. These are the top tier, but still, again, you're replacing a legend. Uh, and now this coach now, I think it, it took – I think with newer coaches anyway, it takes, it takes a couple of years to get your guys in there. And I think what happened now is – a lot of these coaches are understanding the portal, you know, and understanding like these, you know, you're always going to have a, a unhappy camper somewhere. So I think these coaches do a great job of finding out who these guys are, who these kids are that are kind of upset about where they at and stuff like that. So I think you have done a great job of that. But still, again, I think, you know, you got a quarterback that's been there for a while that understand the system. So, so now you're seeing his, his growth. So I think that's what makes it fun for me now to see the bad times and now seeing the good times. So I always tell people, enjoy, enjoy the victories, enjoy the good time. Cause you're going to have these years where things are kind of not going the way they're going. But right now you're right where you want to be. And you, you, you're enjoying what this team is doing. Hey, walk me through this. How big, like in, in basketball, NBA guys spend more time talking about the college they went to uh, than they do talking about the game. Like, <laughs> If, if let's say there's LSU taking on Alabama this weekend and you're in the locker room and you got an Alabama and LSU guy, how important are those games to the guys in an NFL locker room when their college plays somebody, you know, like an LSU or like an Alabama? I think it's very important. You know, these guys, they represent their schools very well, especially when they come to a league, you know, especially if you're coming from a, a big program that everybody knows about and, you know, if you have any down years, you're going to hear about it in the locker room. So, but I think it it, it comes with the territory of 
you you talk noise when they're doing good. You try to hold on when they're not doing good. But uh, it's definitely important for these guys. Some of these guys hold dear to their their their, their schools that they went to. So anytime you can get a win or, or bet these guys in a big game, I think that's what you want to do, and you just want to have fun with it. What's the biggest bet or most that you ever made with a teammate, you know, about a college football, about a Florida State against somebody? Did you ever bet anything, not necessarily money, just anything crazy, mm-hmm. got to wear a uniform, you know, shirt, that kind of thing? <laughs> I never did. I, when I was there, I had uh, Darryl Jackson. Darryl Jackson had played for uh, Florida, and we had a bet Florida against Florida State, and it was $1,000 win or lose. And you know, you, you Florida, Florida State won, and then you're thinking, okay, hey, well, you, you know, you're you, you're, you're when you bet these guys, you're not behind them trying to get your money, but these, you know, you you pay your debt and all that stuff. But what he did was he gave me a thousand dollar worth of dimes, and so you know, think about that. You know, you, you never think about it in that moment. You know what he had to do to get that. You know, you're going to the bank and asking for a thousand dollar worth of dimes. So. But that was probably crazy. I'm not a big betting guy because I get nervous if I bet on my team. So I try not my best not to not to bet on them because you know I get nervous. I'm kind of superstitious to that stuff. So if I if I watch the game this week and they win, if I don't watch the game they win or they lose, the next week I can't watch the game. So it's right. like it's like one of those patterns where you're like, I got to stay in the same pattern where I got to be watching and winning. So I got to at least watch the first. If I got something going on, I have to watch try to watch the first quarter. So I feel like. I'm giving my support to the team and what they're doing now, so I don't want to mess the juju up right now. <laughs> were you like Were you like that as a player? Superstition? Oh, totally. Oh, very. You know, um, I didn't. Uh, you know, a lot of guys like to go outside before the pregame. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be like uh, when I had my pads on and stuff. I wanted to feel like is this the first time I'm on this field to play football? I'm not about going out there. I said, my trainers and my equipment guys are letting me know what type of shoes I should wear. But a lot of guys like to go out for pregame. I never done that. You know, just even, and the only time I hated that was when we made it to the Super Bowl and I didn't get a chance. I kind of tried to stay with the same routine and I didn't get a chance to experiment just being out there and seeing the fans and seeing the, the hoopla that goes on with the Super Bowl. And I was just trying to stay in the same routine. I said to myself, if I get back, I'm going to go out and enjoy the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, it, it is funny. Like, I, I still blame my son's friend for us losing a championship game uh, in the Mid-American Conference because I, I had to go a different direction. I had to go pick this kid up on my way to the game, and I'm like, man, you know, that cost us the game. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's yeah. one of those deals. It's just, it's, just, it's just an odd deal. Hey, last thing uh, before I let you go. Was there anybody for you that you played against – that you just, you, for whatever the reason, you just couldn't handle? And was there any great <laughs> player that you knew you could absolutely oh, handle? Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody yeah, has, like, a nemesis, um, and then everybody has a guy they can kick their, you know, they can win, they can beat up, <laughs> you know? I don't, I, I don't know if you can put that out there. I don't know if I ever put that out there, that some guy that I knew that, you know, I think for me personally, uh, I was, I don't, this is not a, this guy is not a household name, probably to the world of uh, the media. But uh, when we played in the AFC West, we used to play uh, the Chargers every year, and they had a defensive end named Rayleigh Johnson, and he gave me fits all the time. Not beat me for sacks, but he made me work the whole game, and I used to hate it. Like, oh my god, like you know, that was like one guy that you watches. Okay, when he goes out the game, when he's not in the game. So for me, that was one guy that gave me fits. And then for me personally, I think. 
Um, guys like that, you just, for me personally, I think you just try to, to dominate everybody, but you know, once your name get out there that you're some, this type of guy, you get everybody's, um, a plus. Uh, and for me, I think that would have made it fun. You know, guys wanted to come out there and, you know, get you refocused all the time. So you, when you think you've got a guy, then boom, he gets you. So you have to always try to stay focused. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a guy that I say, okay, this guy, I know this is going to be an easy win because every time you try, you go into, I have done that where I went into a game where I didn't learn how to play. I didn't know how to watch film on a guy. So I just go in and watch a couple of snaps. I'm like, okay, I got it. And then all of a sudden you get into a game where this guy gives you fits. You don't know his second move, his third move, and nothing like that. So now this guy's giving you all these fits. And now you're thinking to yourself, you have to be humble and respect everybody that plays in this game. And that's when I started learning how to play, how to, how to watch film. Yeah, it's amazing, man. All you got to do uh, is have that happen to you once, and you're yeah. like, all right, I learned my damn lesson. I'm, I'm, I'm learning every move this guy's ever made from junior high on the high school. Hey, Walt, it's great talking to you, man. I hope you'll come back. Thanks for your time. It was fun. Anytime, man. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Hey, look, you're talking to an NFL legend right there. I mean, look, all you got to do is look up Walt Jones, and apparently I effed it up because I knew he was in the Hall of Fame. But I'm reading something here, and it says only the Seattle Seahawks. And not only. He said he inducted the Seahawks Hall of Fame, so I thought I was wrong. Like, I, contrary to what you people might think, I actually prepare for this show. And I feel bad because the dude is an all-time legend, and we thank him. And the Seattle Seahawks are rolling, man. And, you know, one of the great things, and I always love about coaches, and I think people saw this the other day. I think it was with Joe Biden. Like, all of a sudden, it came out that Joe Biden isn't exactly this grandfatherly guy that you see. He's MF and his staff members. So, like, when I played for Coach Knight, everybody knew who Coach Knight was, right? Bob Knight was going to throw chairs. He was going to cuss us out. He was going to go nuts. You knew that. But there are other coaches, like Krzyzewski would always cover his mouth so he wouldn't see you, and nobody swore more than Coach K, and I respect it, yo. All right, our friend, where is she? The lovely, the uber-talented, the greatest smile in the history of streaming or TV or whatever we call this. Hey, what up? Yo, I thought I was going to see you at Clay Travis's party. Where were you? I had another party that night, so... Of course. Wasn't, I wasn't of in attendance. I know. And I I wish I was there. It would have been fun. I saw all the pictures. I had FOMO. Man, people dressed up. The house was great. I got into old fashions, which if my wife didn't want to leave, I would have stayed there and probably gotten fired at some point <laughs> because, you know, the costumes were great. The drinks were good. The food was good. People were awesome. All right, what do you got for us? We canceling people? What's going on here? Yeah, well, speaking of Halloween, I am absolutely over cancel culture. I hate it. I think it's a cancer. I have a series on my personal TikTok, Cancel Culture is Officially Canceled, where I stick up for influencers, celebrities who get canceled because I think that no one in 2023 should be held to 2012, 2020, um, you know, older standards because no one was offended by by anything back then now everyone's offended by everything now i feel like it has trickled into halloween one of my favorite holidays 
Now people are afraid to dress up as certain things because they know that they're going to have to have some apology uh, thrown up on their Instagram story or something written by a PR agent or whatever. It's so embarrassing where we've gotten in our society. So I went out to Broadway and I asked people if they were on the same page as me. It's spooky season and in 2023 for some, they're most afraid of getting canceled for a costume. So have snowflakes ruined Halloween and sucked all the fun out of it? Or can we bury cancel culture for good? So my question is, is there a costume that maybe you wore in high school that you can't get away with now because of cancel culture? Like you'd be canceled because you wore it. I'm not afraid of being canceled. I can only cancel myself. So I'm here asking, is there anything that you dressed up in the past as that you'd get canceled for now? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Do you think cancel culture is kind of taking the fun out of Halloween a little bit? Yes, a little bit. A little People's bit. costumes are lame and boring now? Yeah, a little bit. Well, uh, for, for me personally, not as much, but I know that my mom uh, told me that back when she was in elementary school in the 70s, she dressed up as someone from like Japan or something and really overdid the facial expression or something. And so now uh, that wouldn't fly as much today, I guess, but, but yeah. Cancel culture meets Halloween. Has it ruined the fun? Are people's costumes just like too boring now? I think so. I, I, I agree with that. Everybody's too soft and sensitive about it. So I, I do think so to some degree, right? I think that like, it was a lot cooler when you dressed up like a Native American. Like, people would Ryan. get mad at you. I, I was actually a pimp when I was 16. <laughs> I was looking at a priest outfit and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can really be a priest. Someone's going to complain. Yeah. Donald Trump costume. That's offensive? Yeah, automatic fight. Automatically. Even if you're a Donald Trump supporter, like you look like Donald Trump, you might catch one. But I like Donald Trump. Clay Travis, yay! So what are some overrated costumes that you've been seeing this year? Oh, Taylor Swift, Kelsey. About too much? Yeah, way too much. Yeah, you're, you've done, you've overdone it. Come on. Yeah. What are you dressing as? Travis Kelsey. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, let me ask you. When I was in high school, we had a dance. It was a Halloween dance. I want to make this clear. I did not do this. Okay, uh -oh. but one of my friends did. It was a. I went to Catholic high school. He came to the Halloween costume dance as a pregnant nun. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Listen, there's a time and place. I'm not saying it's not kind of funny, but maybe not at Catholic high school. Yeah, and the we had nuns still back then. They kicked him out of there so fast. They gave him three detentions, which if you've ever seen the movie The Breakfast Club, my high school did. You had to go in basically all day. But the pregnant nun back in, I don't know, 1980 uh, was the first cancel culture Halloween program or uh, costume that I ever saw. Have you ever wore anything that you look back and you go, yeah, that would be canceled? What was it? I mean, personally, I don't think that it's bad. But yes, in today's standards in college i went as cleopatra many people get all up in arms about cleopatra because they think she's egyptian she's african she's greek so i stand by I that my, my first year not coaching and doing a radio show i asked my listeners what should i go as and this was before cancel culture so i'll ask you whether this is cancelable because cleopatra certainly is not right um 
friend of mine calls in. He goes, hey, Dan, I've got a chic costume, you know, like Arabian chic or whatever chic. Mm -hmm. So I did the whole thing. You know, we did the makeup. We did the thing. And I guess that could be canceled now, could it? I mean, Justin Trudeau did it. He's still prime minister of Canada. So it depends on who you are. I think you get a pass if you're a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) Also, speaking of that. We just, we put a, we put a mustache, like one of those circular mustaches on, you know, and I don't know, my buddy came over. He had a, he had a sheik. I was a sheik. I, I saw the picture. It came up on Facebook like about a year ago at Halloween. I'm like, oh boy. I don't know if that's any good. What's going to happen here? Yeah, good thing you're at OutKick now because they don't care, but maybe another (laughs) former employer wouldn't have been too pleased. But speaking of that costume, so Khloe Kardashian has been at the center of a lot of Halloween cancel culture controversies in the past. Um, She wore like an Arab garb type costume once. She got canceled for that. This year, she dressed as a Bratz doll, which was kind of like another Barbie doll type uh, toy in the 90s. And people were accusing her of blackfishing, not wearing black face, but having your skin tone be darker, like trying to look black. Um, That's insane. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but I don't think that anyone is trying to look like a different race. I think that it definitely, you can chalk it up to editing, like whoever edited the photo or maybe it was the lighting, but people take so much offense now and they're looking for like the littlest, littlest thing to get pissed off by. It's embarrassing. Hey, let me ask you, what would be a woman? What would a woman wear that would be offensive? Obviously blackface, that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, what, what, or a guy, either one. Like, if a guy went as a uh, wandering Joe Biden, would that make people pissed off? If guy went no. as Michael Jackson, would that piss I mean, what would piss, I'm trying to think here as we're talking. I don't know. I'm not sure I know exactly. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I read, I read a Good Housekeeping article that was um, all different, Costumes that could get you canceled now. And on that list was a hobo. Like you can't dress as, as they call it now, an unhoused person because that's offensive to people who don't have houses. Um, Give me a break. Like give me a break. And then along those lines too, I think for Halloween, people dress up for different cultural moments, pop culture moments that have been popular in the last year. So I don't know if you saw this, but Emily Hampshire, who's an actress on Schitt's Creek, she dressed up as Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. People were all up in arms. She had to uh, have an apology written um, because she she didn't want to make people think that she was making light or making a joke about domestic abuse or uh, domestic violence. If anyone thought that she was dressing up as Amber Heard and Johnny Depp to make fun of domestic abuse victims. Like you're crazy. Like you are taking this way too far. Obviously it was the biggest trial of the year. 
everyone was talking about it. It's this like massive cultural moment. Of course, it's going to be a Halloween costume. That doesn't offend me. But at the same time, I'm sure that there are domestic abuse victims who found it insulting. There were probably domestic abuse victims who found it funny. You can't please everyone. So stop caring, like stop caring and stop apologizing. One of the costumes that I was thinking about going as this year was the guy from Ocean Gate with the Titanic submersible that exploded. Um, I was waiting on my t-shirt, the Ocean Gate t-shirt from Amazon. I was going to have like a little video game controller. Do I think it's funny that people died? No, of course not. But it was a cultural moment. And the only reason why I didn't dress up is that it was because it didn't come in on time. So that's it. But I don't care. Stop apologizing. It's embarrassing. Haley, when I was a kid, my brother, in our neighborhood, there were woods behind uh, the house across the street. And we had hobos. That's what we, that's what we were called, hobos. And a guy would come out of the woods and scared the crap out of us, right? I mean, like, what the hell? We thought he, you know. So my brother and I, we were, I probably was nine. He was probably 11 or eight and 10. We dressed, our parents dressed us as hobos. We had a cigar, yeah. fake cigar. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm going to try to find the picture. I know I've got it because I saw it somewhere. I'm going to put it out there and gauge reaction. I don't know. Guess, I, hey, look, what are you, you going to do? Guess, guess who's not offended by a hobo costume? A hobo. They're not concerned about it. It's a white liberal a social justice warrior who's concerned about it. You're not offending the person that you're even dressing up as. So I say it's all, it's all lunacy. Hey, have you ever made it into screen caps with Joe Kinsey? I don't think so. Oh, maybe once because I went to the U S open. I interviewed people and I was asking people at the U S open. Um, actually I got his attention because he saw my outkick Mike flag and he's like, I love Clay Travis. So I went to go interview him. And he said that he was 15 honey deuces deep. If you've never been to the um, U.S. Open, it's a gray goose drink. Um, they have like a little melon ball on it. So it looks like a tennis ball. Um, he says that he had 15 of them. So I made it into screen caps for that interview. There you go. Joe's with us next. Haley, have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Bye. Oh, man. Canceled for a Halloween costume. I, I don't remember many of my costumes. I was a shepherd one time. I remember being a hobo, a shepherd, uh, a sheik. Uh, this time I was Vincent Varga Vega from, uh, from Pulp Fiction, and Lee was uh, Winston Wolf. I don't know. You get canceled for that. What are you going to do? All right, Joe Kinsey next, baby. Screen caps. Hey, you guys on the YouTube chat, you like hot women? We got hot women coming up on screen caps. And I got some house pets for you. I got a good one when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, you know it, you love it. You love this segment because, well, frankly, it combines our loves. It combines football with hot women. And anytime you can combine football with hot women and smart aleck guys, all you need is beer, wings, and a pizza. And you've got yourself a party. Or maybe, maybe we need one of Joe's only fan gals. Joe Kinsey joins us from Screen Caps. You are willing to give up your seat here, your time here 
for an incredibly hot OnlyFans girl who apparently dislikes Ohio State. Odd to me you would do that. Dan, that is just how fair and balanced I am. I am willing to let Instagram model Mia Sorority, I I think that's how you say her name, Mia, the OnlyFans model, she is attacking Ohio State fans online. I said, bring it, girl. If you want to get online, get on a chat. Let's chat with Dockich. Let's talk Ohio State, Michigan. She backed out, Dan. She didn't want any of this. And you know what? We got to work on her. Mia Sorty, Sorty, something like that. She's uh, $4 for 30 days, Dan, on Instagram or uh, on OnlyFans. $4 for 30 days, limited time only. Gee, listen to you, pumping some OnlyFans, girl. Oh, my God, has this show sunk to a new low. Limited time only to go watch some woman who's somebody's daughter take her clothes off. What's going on around here, Aaron? What the hell are we doing? Shaq is a big fan of Mia, by the way. I'm glad. All right, Joe, last thing. Don't you have to? If you're a Michigan fan, like it just came out yesterday, a staff member was trying to buy booze to meet up with a 13-year-old girl. At some point, don't you as a Michigan fan have to say enough? Like pedophilia, that's enough. I can't support this regime anymore. At some point, no? Dan, they're they're far-left Michigan fans that just refuse to give it up. They don't want to ever admit that their teams are full of scumbags. Bo Schimbeckler, by the way, Dan, Bo Schimbeckler has got to be rolling over in his grave over the disgusting behavior out of Michigan fans. You know Bo Schimbeckler. He hated cheaters, and that is what Jim Harbaugh, his protege, has turned this program into. Full of cheaters, full of liars, full of scumbags, Dan. I called it here like three weeks ago. Total scumbags at Michigan, and they just keep get, getting scummier by the day. They do. It's And look, I got no dog in the fight. My son played at both places, has a degree from Michigan, absolutely loved his experience at Michigan, went to Ohio State, loved his experience there. Dockages are just lovers. But my God, at some point, you got a cyber criminal, you got a guy stealing signs, you got Shemmy Schembechler, who is a racist in his tweets, and now we got a pedophile. At some point, you got to draw the line. Joe, let's draw the line. What are you showing me today? First, let's go. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. Oh, well, Dan, it was a big week. You know it. It was Halloween. You dressed up. I think you dressed up as uh, Coach O uh, when you went down to uh, Clay Travis's house. Uh, the Instagram models fired up the Instagram accounts. They dressed up. You know, the slutty meter was on. It was at the top of the slutty meter. I'll just say that this week, Dan. I've been at this a long time. I've been at this job years and years. The slutty meter is off the charts this year. Uh, I can't even read her name here, uh, Lynette or whatever it is. Uh, you know, slutty meter off the charts. This is in Miami. It's always high there, but it's even higher this year. When did, because I don't remember this, and maybe I got to ask you, uh, I don't know, but when did the slut meter become so prevalent in Halloween? I remember Halloween. We all remember Halloween. 
But this girl, I don't know what she's dressed as, but God bless her. God bless her daddy issues. God bless it all, man. I mean, when did the slut meter get so high at Halloween? Well, I, I think I said it last week. I think when Instagram was founded, the slutty meter just kept going higher and higher up the charts. You know, Dan, we used to have the slutty cops, the slutty firemen, the slutty nurse. Those were the common costumes. Now it's like slutty queens, slutty every, uh, you know, every genre. You can have a slutty COVID nurse and, you know, it would be a hot costume in certain big cities across the country, Dan. Slutty COVID nurse giving shots. You know, this stuff all works. Uh, so it just keeps getting higher and higher. They keep raising the game. I don't know where it goes from here. Where does it end, Joe? I just think, well, you know what ought to happen? We just ought to just have naked Halloween. You know, maybe they do that in Fishers, Indiana. I don't know. In Fishers, Indiana, if you got a white rock out in front of your house, that means you're a swinger. Maybe we should have a slutty meter swinger thinger. I don't know. What do I know, Joe? I don't know. know. Next! More All of the right. same. Well, more of the same. It's it's a huge week. You know, it was blood. It was guts. Slutty meter off the charts. You know, mix and match. Figure out what you want. And uh, here you go. Here's more sluttiness. Joe, I feel like she's overdressed. I feel like after the first uh, young lady, I feel like the second one, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe later on that, that red thing comes off when she's really getting serious about her Instagram. And I don't want to hear anybody tell us we're sexist. We're celebrating the human body here. We're giving women what they want. There is no patriarchy, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. As my wife says, there's no patriarchy. Women know exactly what they're doing when they get this done. So don't at me about it, Joe. You know what I'm saying? Don't at me either, Dan. Next! Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What are we doing here? What was the guy, was the guy here, in the Joe? water? Uh, what, was yeah, one, what was that? I think I know what that was, but uh, uh, I... I Anyway, Dan, uh, slutty meter again. Now they're putting the dogs in the uh, in the costumes. Uh, you know what? Slutty cops, old school costume. I can't believe that she's never gone as a slutty cop before. I don't believe you can double up on content. I think you should move on. I think this is a slutty meter foul right here, Dan. You can't go as a slutty what, cop. What is- you got to keep mixing it up. Is this a cop? Is that what this is? Is this a cop with a police dog? What is this costume, Joe? Yeah, it's like uh, cops for Halloween. All right. Yeah. I like the glasses, though. I like the mirrored sunglasses. I think that's always a good look. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Look next! Well, God bless the USA. Yeah. God bless the good old USA. Yeah, this is Veronica. She is actually from the Czech Republic, Dan. And you might remember her as the big Tom Brady super fan. Everybody was like, she wants to date Tom Brady. She's from Czechoslovakia. She has a great accent. She's actually married to a guy that used to play football at the University of Akron, Dan. That's, you know, she loves football. Yeah, her husband played uh, football at uh, Akron. He's He's like some former Czech, like, rugby guy. But anyway, she loves the USA. 
By the way, she loves the USA. There's there's 40% of the of the United States who doesn't like the USA like she likes the USA. So God bless Veronica. She always salutes the stars and stripes. And uh, that's what she did for Halloween. This year, I didn't choose a scary outfit. Uh, there you go, because there's already enough uh, of that awfulness in the world. I chose... I don't know, can't read this, and I love, and that is the United States of America. Obviously, a lot of you will be commenting why I didn't wear flag of my own country. Well, I actually did. I wore the USA theme. Oh, good for her, Joe. Yeah. Joe, we respect those that respect our country. We respect those that respect our flag and aren't afraid to put them on big boobs. There you go. She actually wants to be here, Dan. God bless her. Why wouldn't you want to be here? Where the hell do you want to be if you don't want to be in the great United States of America? Next! Well, we knew this would be up. I mean, this is Team Outkick. How was it, Dan? You never gave, like, did I miss your report on what you thought Halloween was like at Clay's house? I did. I thought it was awesome. I thought the absolute greatest costume that I saw was our friend Riley Gaines going as Riley Gaines and her husband going as Leah Thomas. I will say this. I did think Riley Gaines didn't go as Riley Gaines. I thought she went as Sandy, the Olivia Newton-John character in Greece, because she had the leather work. And of course, Clay went as Tom Sawyer. And the lovely and uber-talented Kelly in Vegas went as one half of a dog. She and Ariel Epstein, the other half, they had a slinky in between them. And I asked the young ladies, Joe, I go, all right, do you know the name of that thing that's in between you? And they made fun of me and said, yeah, it's a slinky, dummy. I didn't realize people still knew what a slinky was, but Kelly looked awesome. Clay, fantastic. But the costume of the year, Joe, I'm telling you, when Riley walked in with her husband as Leah Thomas, that was spectacular. I went as Vincent Vega. My wife went as uh, Winston Wolf. But it was a great party, fantastic food, really nice people, great people. And I got into the old fashions. And if uh, my wife didn't make me, I would have sat there all night eating Chick-fil-A, old fashions, and probably got fired and maybe arrested because I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I did. Well, it looks like it was a great time, Dan. Congratulations on getting the invite this year. Yeah, I'll go back, too. It uh, It was a fantastic, fantastic event. And Clay's house is awesome, man. And Clay and his wife, Laura, were absolutely great. What else you got? That's it, Dan. Uh, Joe, last thing before we go, Rutgers coming in, Greg Schiano. It's an 18-point uh, deal, 18, 19-point spread. Uh, what say you? Well, I think last week I said they'd win by two touchdowns, Ohio State. They did win by two touchdowns, right? Uh, they didn't cover, I they believe. Did. And they did cover. I think they did. Okay, good. Uh, this week, Dan, 20-point win. They keep inching up the ladder. They keep figuring out how to use Marvin Harrison correctly. Kyle McCord cuts down on the interceptions, up on the touchdown passes. Travion Henderson is back, running the ball, Dan. They actually ran the ball. They win by 20, 20 points. 
That would be a cover, ladies and gentlemen. That's the great Joe Kinsey every day. Screen caps. Go to outkick.com. He has the greatest job in the world because he, ladies and gentlemen, is the director of content, the content guru. And you know what Joe does? Joe gets off the line quick. I didn't even get a chance to throw my bouquets at Joe. He got off, and he got off in a big, 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 big time hurry. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for it. Here it comes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my last, last thing. That's right. That's right. It is Friday. It is Friday, and this is my last, last, last thing. And we do this last, last thing in honor of my former coach, my former employer, and a nemesis all rolled up into one, the great Bob Knight, who passed away this week at the age of 83. Coach Knight never gambled, which means we like gambling. Coach Knight never drank, which means we like drinking. Coach Knight couldn't hit a golf ball very far, which means we liked hitting the golf ball farther and farther and farther. Coach Knight also told me one time he could not tell me that drinking a beer was any worse than drinking a Coke. Because in my day, sometimes when your battery corroded, which none of you still, none of you youngins understand what a battery corroded means, you would pour Coke on the battery, true story, and it would dissolve the corrosion. Certainly you did it with tab. So there you go. So on to the weekend. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the game that I can't wait to watch, I'm not going to bet until game time. And that's LSU in Alabama. A lot of you are saying that LSU is going to win. In fact, we had Aaron Murray, stud, former quarterback at Georgia, telling us that Alabama was going to lose and LSU was going to win. I've had a number of people do that. I'm not sure I'm down with that just yet. I'm not sure I'm down the clown like that. I'm down with it. I like it. You know I'll watch it because I want to see Brian Kelly stick it up the dupayage of all of these haters. I love when Brian Kelly wins because it makes people nuts. For some reason, Brian Kelly is on the wrong side of the media. For some reason, Brian Kelly can't get out of his way being on the wrong side of the media. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to see that. I'm going to know that, but I'm not going to bet it just yet. Same thing with the Colts. Usually, I bet the Colts. Colts are a two-point favorite at Carolina. Colts are still playing Gardner Minshew. Carolina, well, they've got Bryce Young. Are they getting better? I don't know. They just won. But I don't know that I want to touch this. Here's what you got to understand. We've changed our betting philosophy. Our betting philosophy used to be, hey, look, if I'm going to watch the damn game, then I'm going to bet the damn game. That is no longer our philosophy. We are in it to win it. And, ladies and gentlemen, I can look at my DraftKings account and my points bet account, and I can tell you what I am up, and I can tell you what I am down for the year. We went through a little bit of a bad stretch about about a month and a half ago. But, ladies and gentlemen, for the year, it says right here, and I don't know why this thing would lie to me, For the year, we are currently up $4,000. Now, is that a lot? No. But at one point uh, before the last couple weeks when we went 15-1, and yeah, I said it. 
I meant it. We went 15 and one last Sunday. We went from three or four grand down to up, oh, I'm sorry, because of last night's winning, we're up over four grand. Don't at me, people. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. All right, I'm going to give you the house bet later. But here's what I've done. I ride who brung me. I dance with the girl that came with me. I'm not one of those guys that went to prom with Susie Rottencrotch and started hitting on Sally Bag of Donuts. I wish I would have because the only prom I went to my senior year, that actually happened to me. The girl I went with was more interested in other things, and then a couple girls were hitting on me, and it worked out fine. But I'm not that guy to go the other way. So I dance with who brung me, and who is bringing me this year is betting against Indiana. I made a vow a long time ago never to bet for or against Indiana. But Indiana is really bad, and Indiana is not getting better. Indiana people like their quarterback, a guy named Soresby. That's cool. Whatever. They had a guy, Trayvon Jackson, I think, Trace Jackson Davis's uh, brother. He flamed out. I thought he was pretty talented. He went to Tennessee, transferred back to Indiana. The crowd chanted his name when he was on a recruiting trip. And Indiana stinks, and he's been benched. I ain't trusting him. I think tough teams always wear Indiana down. I wouldn't touch the first half in this. Don't touch the first half. But Indiana will do what Indiana does. Something will go bad. I'm telling you right now. I've been watching Indiana football since 1973. And I've come to the conclusion about 15 years ago that the problem with Indiana is the players are so freaking soft that when something goes bad, they can't overcome it. And it snowballs. And next thing you know... They get beat when they're up five or three, or they're never up 10, but when they're up, they end up getting beat by double digits. Under double digits, I don't care that it's at home. It may be a nice day. It's supposed to be. I think Wisconsin rolls here. Take Wisconsin. Give the nine. Hey, leave the gun. Take the cannoli. All right, next, Florida against Arkansas. Look, here's the deal. I'm not in love with this bet. And I'm not betting this for any other reason than I think the Arkansas big old good old boy, Sam Pittman, who got a lot of publicity early in the year, particularly by us, I don't think he's got the goods. And I think you're always desperate at Florida. I do. Like, I know you're desperate at Arkansas to get a win. Swear to God, I do. Swear to God, I understand it. But it ain't no desperate like a Florida desperate. Florida has to win. Florida cannot jackass around. If Florida screws around, this guy Billy Napier may be out of a job by the time the game is over. Now, would that make Florida fans happy? Sure. Would that make Florida players upset? No. Are they playing for their coach? I got two words for you. Oh, hell no. Hell no. They're not playing for a coach. They shouldn't play for a coach. As I told Indiana's basketball team when Tom Crean had me speak to the team and they never asked me again because I would guess I was too blunt, I got all those banners up there that I was a part of, either as a graduate assistant, a player, or an assistant coach, and I got to tell you, not one team, not one player, none, zero, zip, ever worried about playing for a coach. I think Napier's a bad coach. I don't understand why only Urban Meyer can win in Florida, but I'll tell you right now, I'm taking him, I'm giving the three, 
and I think we're going to win money, but I ain't in love with it because I don't trust Florida. House bet, H-O-U-S-E. The house bet is a smooth 7-1 and one on the year with one abstain. If I cannot find a house bet, I do not bet it. I found a house bet that I really like. I'm going back to the well. Again, I listened to the coach, the interim coach, at Michigan State talk, and I heard stupid. That's what I heard. I heard stupid. You may have heard something else. As a Sparty fan, you may hear the guy that's holding this whole program together. We owe him a debt of gratitude. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. That's what people said about me as the door was hitting me in the ass. We owe him a debt of gratitude. I'll give you a debt of gratitude right here. I'll owe you a debt of gratitude. Tank it against Nebraska. Nebraska's trying. They are. They're legitimately trying. Nebraska thinks they're going to a bowl. Nebraska thinks they're bringing the program back. And I think Matt Rule's a real guy. You talk about a win you just got to get. Nebraska's going to cover the three. If this were four, I might think twice. If this were any, I I don't know. But I'm going to take two bets on this. I'm going to take Nebraska minus three. It's the 84% rule. And I'm going to take Nebraska to cover. Now, I think Michigan State stinks. I cannot name you one player on either team. But that, see, is not how you gamble. I've learned this from my boy. I've learned this that we don't care. We go philosophy. I saw a bunch of guys that are really bad at this but think they're good on TikTok taking Michigan State. And they make sense when they talk, but they always lose. So this is going to the well. This is going and fading morons, which is the best move you can possibly make. If you are asking me, how have I made money? I will tell you by fading morons. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, this show is exploding. Ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly where we think we would be. I got to run. I got to go get stuff notarized and get it downtown. So have a great afternoon, everybody. Dockage out.